I beg your pardon for beginning an Easter message with such a depressing passage. Job said, where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? Is there any hope? That is the title of the message this morning. In December of 1927, there was a U.S. submarine that was performing some routine maneuvers off the coast of Massachusetts when it rose to the surface and struck another ship. It became disabled and it sank, coming to rest 102 feet below the surface of the cold, stormy North Atlantic waters. And it seemed that all was lost. The vessel was without power. There were 40 seamen trapped inside and they were running out of oxygen. Their time was limited. Well, a Navy ship, rescue ship, arrived on the scene, and soon a diver went overboard and descended to the sunken submarine when his heavy diving boots struck the surface, the, the outside of the submarine. Those who were inside the submarine heard the noise, and they rushed to that surface, to the point of the sound. And soon they began tapping a message on the inside wall of that submarine. The message they tapped consisted of four words. Is there any hope? Do we have any hope? They were encouraged with the response. There is hope. We are doing everything possible. That was the response that they received. Well, I'd like to move to another scene. This happened more recently. Uh, many of you here will remember hearing about it in the news. And this event took place in a copper mine in Chile in the year 2010. On August 5th of that year, there was a collapse in the mine that left 33 miners trapped 2,300 feet below the surface of the ground, five miles from the mine's entrance, with no communication with the outside world. So put yourself into that setting. 2,300 feet below the surface of the ground, no way of escape, and no communication with the world above. They survived for a while by rationing some emergency supplies that had been left in that part of the mine. They had some canned tuna and some water. And they divided that very carefully, stretched it as long as they could. Normally, the amount would have lasted several days. On day 14, their supplies came to an end. So far, they had no indications of hope. They had no food and no water. So you can imagine their desperation as they waited day after weary day listening for any trace of a sound, straining their ears, wondering, is there any hope? As hope faded, 
there were some miners who found gruesome thoughts entering their minds. They confessed later there were thoughts of suicide, and there were even thoughts of cannibalism. Finally, on day 17 of their entrapment, they heard a drill penetrating the rock above them and listened intently until it broke through the surface into the chamber where they were trapped. And they were able to attach a note to the tip of that drill stating that all three were still alive. And then the bit was extracted. Hope soared. They felt that there was hope, but the ordeal was far from over. The next day, a second probe reached them through a hole that was large enough to send food and communications. And they were warned that drilling a hole big enough for someone to pass through would be a very lengthy process. They reached day 25. Up to this point, the longest that anyone had survived trapped underground was 25 days. Hope dwindled, but it didn't disappear. Why did the hope not disappear? Because they had contact with the world above, through which they received daily courage. Day 30 passed. Day 40 passed. They knew that they were still working on that hole. On day 42, the wife of one of the miners gave birth to a daughter, a baby girl. And she named that girl Esperanza, the Spanish word for hope. So not only was there hope below ground, there was also hope above ground. Time dragged on. Day 50 passed. Day 60 passed. And I'm sure that question was ever in their minds. Is there still hope? Well, communications with the crew above assured them that progress was being made. They continued to have hope. On day 67, the larger drill broke through the roof of that space in which they were dwelling, opening a shaft about 28 inches in diameter. And finally, on day 69, a capsule large enough for one person at a time was lowered through that hole, and one by one, those men were lifted to freedom. The upward trip took about 15 minutes. Imagine the suspense trapped in that small capsule, being lifted upward until finally hope became reality, and they broke forth into the light of day for the first time in more than two months. Well, I'd like to share with you another scene. The Israelite nation had, in my way of thinking, more than its share of ups and downs throughout its course of history. Let's go back to the days of Jacob living in Israel, there was a famine in the land. 
He wasn't sure how he was going to survive with his family. But then his family was delivered by a kind pharaoh. That was a bright spot. But years later, they were forced into slavery by an unkind pharaoh. And there were those who asked, is there any hope? Well, the time came when there were a series of miracles, exciting things that took place. They were delivered from the Egyptians. They were excited only to find themselves trapped with the Red Sea before them, the armies of Pharaoh closing in behind them. And again, that question was on their mind, is there any hope? They felt there wasn't. Well, there was another miraculous deliverance. Excitement, thrills, singing, rejoicing, only to be followed by years of wandering in the wilderness with its own series of ups and downs and lost hope time after time. Then there was the miraculous crossing of the Jordan and victory at Jericho when the walls came crashing down. Great joy, excitement, only a few days later to be routed by a small, insignificant army that killed a number of their soldiers. Husbands, perhaps. Fathers, perhaps. Young men. And again, they cried out, Where's our hope? Joshua fell on his face on the ground in despair. Is this all that we came into this land for? Well, there were the times of judges with its ups and downs. The times of the kings. Again, ups and downs. High points. Until eventually they were carried off into captivity. And again, they were crying, where is our hope? Is there any hope? They hung their harps on the willows. They lost their song, had nothing to sing about. But then the prophets came along with a message of hope. There is hope, the prophets were saying. There is something to look forward to. Until again, there was silence. 400 years of silence and waiting, and wondering, is there any hope? Finally, for the spiritually perceptive, a few glimmers of hope appeared. There was this man appeared out in the wilderness, strange man, with an exciting message. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He that cometh after me is mightier than I. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Until finally, one day, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And then those glimmers of hope burst forth into glorious light as people observed and listened to the ministry of Jesus. Their hope soared. Listen to their comments. Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Two men had a lot of hope. They said, grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? One day Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king. 
On another day, he rode into Jerusalem with people waving palm branches, going forth to meet him and crying, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Their hopes were soaring. A few days later, they were dashed to smithereens. Their hope, the one in whom they hoped, was arrested, condemned, beaten, led to Golgotha, hung on a cross, and left to die, and dejected. The world wandered away into the darkness of the night. The next days passed in confusion and despair, and they hardly even dared to allow themselves to ask the question, is there any hope? Everything they saw and heard and felt told them that all hope was gone. Norman shared this morning about the two men on the road to Emmaus and Jesus' encounter with them, the conversation they had, these men told this stranger that was walking beside them, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. The New King James Version says, we were hoping. Notice it's past tense. We were hoping. We had hope. But no hope was left. And these men left town. No reason to stay. No hope. I'd like to share with you one more scene. For this scene, you would need to fill in the details. I can't, because I don't know all the details. The date is April 9th, 2023. The place is Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and the character is you. Some of you have been asking the question, is there any hope? And perhaps you feel like hope is out of reach. Some years ago, I knew a young man who took a liking to a young lady, and her name was Hope. That was her name, Hope. And for certain reasons, there were some authorities in this young man's life who felt that for them to develop a relationship at that point was not the best thing to do, and they encouraged him not to do that. Well, as you can imagine, that did not in any way diminish his feelings for that young lady named Hope. And in the course of those events, there was a verse in his Bible that took on new meaning to him, and he underlined it. The verse was Proverbs 13, 12, and it says, Hope deferred maketh the heart, maketh the heart sick. His hope was being deferred. Maybe that's how some of you feel today. Your hope is being deferred. Your testimony is, we were hoping, but, and you don't know how to finish the sentence. In recent days and recent months, 
Some of you lost a spouse. Some of you lost a parent or a son. It's not easy. Some of you are dealing with health issues for you or for a loved one that leaves more questions than answers. Or maybe it's strained relationships. Relationships that you've been waiting for and crying for and praying for and given up on only to have that hope stirred up again and dashed to pieces again. Some of you, perhaps, have found yourself struggling, hoping and praying for victory with an area of struggle in your personal life, only to find yourself asking again and again, is there any hope? Will I ever find victory or am I doomed to life of failure? Some of you perhaps feel like life is coming at you too hard and too fast, and it's just demanding more than what you have to give. You return home at the end of the day only to find another mountain awaiting you there. Schedules run you ragged until you barely have the strength left to drag yourself to bed, wearily moaning. Is there any hope? For some, the future may look foreboding, scary, threatening. Can I really face what's ahead? Some may be dealing with shattered dreams. You have unanswered questions, hopes that, that never come to fruition. They're just always beyond your reach. You alone can fill in the details because you alone know what they are. We've been asking the question, is there any hope? I stand before you this morning with a resounding answer. There is hope. And that's why we're here this morning. And the answer is not being tapped in Morse code to sailors trapped in a submarine. The answer today is being shouted to all the world. There is hope. Doesn't matter what your story is. There is hope. The answer is not being tapped. We are doing everything possible. The answer to shout is, he has done everything necessary. It is finished. Hope has become reality. And the reason there is hope is because of this. Christ is risen. I'll say it again. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. I'd like to share with you some passages from Scripture, and I'm just going to read some text directly from Scripture showing us why we have hope. And I'm just going to invite you to, to listen to these. You don't necessarily need to follow along. Mark chapter 16, And when the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came onto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall row us 
away the stone from the door of the sepulcher. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he says unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell the disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Luke's account. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Later on, as the disciples were gathered together in a room, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you when I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. John chapter 20. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. These accounts should remind us of the hope that we have, regardless of our situation. I think my favorite Easter song is a song that was written in the late 70s by Don Francisco, which some of you know, titled, He's Alive. And that song endeavors to portray the hopelessness and the helplessness and the fear and the confusion that was felt after Jesus died. And it's, it's portrayed through the uh, through the eyes or through the mind of Peter. I'm going to uh, read to you some of the words of that song as it portrays the fear. It starts out, the gates and doors were barred, all the windows fastened down. I spent a night in sleeplessness. I rose at every sound. And it goes on to describe how they were just, just imagining the sound of soldiers coming down the streets to carry them away as they had Jesus. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high. 
because I'd seen them crucify him. Then I saw him die. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I'd promised him just added to my shame. When at last it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. Even if he were alive, it wouldn't be the same. Peter was feeling hopeless. Suddenly, the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume. Light that came from everywhere drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. And I fell down on my knees and just clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet. And as I looked into his eyes, love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I'd ever had just melted into peace. And then the climax of the song, just bursting forth with joy. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. Hope was, re was renewed. For the final portion of the message, I'd like to look at four ways how we can realize hope when it seems like hope is lost. Four ways to realize hope, or maybe I should say four observations about hope, because the first two are ways in which we cannot find hope, and then two ways to help us find hope. Number one, in your own power, you are helpless and hopeless. There's nothing you can do on your own. Those men in that submarine, 102 feet below the surface of the Atlantic Ocean, there was absolutely nothing they could do but wait and pray, depending on the help that was above them. The men in the mine, there was absolutely nothing they could do. They couldn't claw themselves out of that hole. They couldn't will themselves out of that hole. They were helpless. And on their own, they were hopeless. When Jesus was in the tomb, there was nothing the disciples could do they were at the end of themselves. As far as they were concerned, it was over and hope was gone. They couldn't bring Jesus back to life. And if we, want to hope, if we want to experience hope, we need to look beyond ourselves. Because in me, I don't have the answers. I try. I try hard to come up with answers. But I don't have the answers. I don't have the power the place where Jesus wants us to come to is a point where we say, God, I can't do it. It's not in me. There's nothing I can do. My eyes are on you. Sometimes we hear about a self-made man. Even a self-made man will come to the end of himself. We need to realize that we are stuck deep underground and there's no way possible that we can claw our way out. So number one, in your own power, you're helpless and hopeless. Number two, even the best efforts of man are not enough to give you hope. Men can be helpful. Men are helpful. And in the case of those 33 men trapped in the mine in Chile, 
As they shared their story afterwards, they said, we encouraged each other. They said, every one of us had days when we were done, we were finished, we gave up hope. But when one person was down, the other persons encouraged him. On another day, it was that person's turn to encourage someone else. That encouragement was helpful. It was beneficial. It was great hope. But that alone was not enough. They could have encouraged each other until they died. They would have still never gotten out of there. The help of others, we need it. But it's not enough. We need more than the efforts of men. Those 40 men trapped in the submarine were given a message. There is hope. We are doing everything possible. But everything that was done was not enough. And all 40 of those men died in that submarine as they ran out of oxygen. Any hope they had in the efforts of man was a false hope. But you will never hear God say, I'm trying as hard as I can. I'm doing everything possible. I hope it will work. Jesus said, it is finished. Everything necessary has been done. And we have a message of hope to share with the world. The angels met these women at the tomb. What did he tell them? He is not here. He has risen. The next words, go and tell. There is a message of hope. Go and tell his disciples. A few verses later, it says, as they went, Jesus met them. Jesus' words to them were, be not afraid. Go and tell. There was a message of hope. But there was another group of individuals that were found at that grave during those events. There were some soldier guards stationed at that, at that grave. And when these strange things started happening, they did not know what to do. And they ran off to talk to the priests. I don't know what was going through their mind, but I, I like to imagine that these soldiers were confused, but yet there was a little bit of hope within them, and they thought, maybe if we go to the religious leaders, they can explain to us the hope. What were they told? The priest said, didn't tell them, go and tell. They told him, go and say. Say he was stolen. Say his disciples carried them away. What a tremendous difference between the message sent from God, go and tell the good news, and the message given by those men, go and say. On one hand, it was the best news ever to be heard. On the other hand, it was a lie. And when you're looking for hope, you cannot rely on what this world has to say. They have a lot to say, but it's full of lies. This was the most outstanding event those soldiers had ever witnessed. And yet they were convinced to act as if it had never happened. Perhaps they were on the very edge of believing. Perhaps they were close to accepting the truth. Perhaps they were looking for an affirmation. 
from the leaders that what this man said was true, that he really was who he said he was. But they were told a lie. What a tremendous responsibility for those of us who teach. Two things kept those guards from acknowledging the truth. One was the influence of false teachers, and the other was the influence of money. Those priests said, we'll give you money to go and say the lies we're telling you. What is influencing you? Is it the message from heaven or the message from man? These guards were so close to the truth, so close, they were right there. And yet so far, Jesus said, go and tell, tell all nations. Well, the third observation, third thing that we need to realize when all hope seems to be lost is that hope is found in surrender. And I don't plan to speak long on this point. It's a sermon in itself. But we just simply need to give up. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. We need to accept that. We need to surrender. I picture those 33 men in that fairly spacious cavity, in that mine. They had room to walk around. They had room to interact with people. But before they could experience freedom, they needed to voluntarily confine themselves in this tiny capsule where they could not even move their arms, they could not even bend their knees, and they were going to be drawn into this tiny space where they were totally surrounded by rock, couldn't even move. A situation even more desperate than what they had to be than what they had been in before. And yet they surrendered. Let themselves be bound into that tiny capsule, surrendering all freedom, listening to the words above. If you want freedom, this is what you need to do. We need to surrender. And finally, number four, hope is found in the presence of Jesus. I love, in reading the resurrection stories, reading the encounters with Jesus after the resurrection. Mary was in the garden, weeping in despair. She was just there, I believe, alone, weeping. Perhaps out of the corner of her eye, she saw this man walking up she thought was a gardener. He said, woman, why are you crying? She said, sir, if you've borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him. I will carry him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Today, Jesus is calling your name. He's calling your name because there's hope. Mary met Jesus. She was filled with hope. The men on the road to Emmaus, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. You heard those words this morning. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were opened. 
The disciples were gathered in fear, closed up in a room, away from the world they so much feared. Sometimes that's where we find ourselves, alone, wrapped in fear. When suddenly Jesus stood in the midst of them. He was right there. His words, peace be unto you. There was reason to hope. Then there was Thomas. He didn't have hope. Even the eyewitness account of his fellow disciples were not enough to convince him. Until he saw Jesus, his response, my Lord and my God, he was filled with fresh hope. And then sometime later, I think still feeling confused, our disciples were out on the sea fishing. I don't think it was a good night for them. I can imagine they were still depressed, discouraged, confused, and they weren't even catching any fish. Morning came, and they saw a man, a man on the shore. They had a few words of exchange with him, but John, one disciple out of all that were there, saw something that no one else saw. Everyone else saw a man, but John saw Jesus. John cried, it is the Lord. Do you see Jesus this morning? Is he giving you new hope? Hope is found on Jesus. The lines of the little course go, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'd like to read in closing 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There is hope. Why? Christ is risen. risen Let's kneel for prayer. Lord, this morning we bow before you as needy people. Lord, you know the story of each of our hearts. You know the questions, the confusions, the turmoil. But Lord, we thank you this morning for the promise that there is hope. Thank you for the power of your resurrection. Thank you for the encounters that you had with many people after the resurrection. Thank you for the encounters that you have even today. And Lord, I just pray this morning that we could turn our eyes upon you, that you would fill our lives with hope and vision that we could remain steadfast in you until you gather us together in glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.